Test. Woo. Testing one, two, one, two. God this morning. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus fled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb, an entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Oh, praise the Oh, 
I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. And now we are standing here. Psalm 122, 1. It is really good to see everybody here this morning. And we're glad you're here, whether you're in person or whether you're streaming on the web. Uh, We're going to worship God, and we're going to see Jesus this morning. And that's an exciting thing. Uh, I do have a couple quick announcements. Thanks to everyone who worked so hard to make our online services work and also have worked really hard to get us back in the building here. Uh, So we do appreciate everybody who's been part of that. And we also want to thank all our members and thank everyone for following the guidelines so well during our uh, drive-in worship and now this morning. We can only stay open like this if we follow the guidelines. I think that's important. We want this to be as safe as experience as it can possibly be. Uh, now that the weather's colder here, I think drive is not going to work as well. I'm asked to remind you to please remember to keep your masks on at all times while we're in the building, uh, except when you take communion. So please do that. Uh, and then when service is over, you'll be escorted outside. Someone will take you outside. And keep your masks on out there if you can't be six feet away from people. Uh, That's real important. And then I'm also asked to remind us that if you're high risk or if you feel it's safer, just stay home and uh, worship with us online. That's a a good plan. Uh, I want to give two quick updates. Actually, I've got three quick updates. But two quick updates. A lot of people have asked about the church in Lincoln City where they had over 200 homes burned out. Uh, And some of those, at least three of those, were uh, members of the Church of Christ in Lincoln City. But your contributions, the church treasury, has been used to send a significant significant check to uh, the elders at the Church of Christ in Lincoln City. Uh, Matt Gerber is one of them. A lot of you know Matt Gerber. Um, They did get a truck from the Church of Christ Disaster Relief Fund that showed up real quick and really helped the community. But also, uh, they still have a lot more needs. And so we have sent them some uh, financial support. And we will be in touch with Matthew and the elders there over the next couple weeks because this is going to be a long-term recovery. And we want to help them any way we can. Uh, The second uh, announcement is that we are making plans for small groups to start back up in about three weeks. Uh, I know some small groups are still going, but we're going to try to reform and come out with small groups in about three weeks We're going to try three formats. You can either have one in your home, you can have one in the building here, and we'll have a way to do that safely, or online with streaming. And you'll be hearing more about that. But if you know you want to be part of that, please let me know or let Norma know or let Chris know. Our goal is to get every member to connect with at least one small group in the next three weeks. Uh, But in three weeks, you'll hear a lot more about that. Uh, Oh, also, Jeff Tant let me know this morning that his daughter had a baby girl just a few hours ago. Uh, Tegan Ray is the baby's name, and his daughter's Aubrey. Uh, They can't have visitors right now, but they're at Meridian Park. So praise God for that. God keeps working. No doubt about that. And then also, remember in your prayers and keep rejoicing over uh, Amanda. Uh, Amanda is shown keen who is uh, James and Joyce's uh, daughter, her baby Isla 
Uh, Mom and baby are doing great. And again, uh, God just keeps blessing us. I do want to lead us in a prayer this morning. Pray with me. Lord God, it is good to be worshiping together. We worship together all the time, uh, whether it's online or whether it's live. But it's nice that we can safely come back and that we can follow some rules that will keep us safe. Uh, Thank you for each person in the congregation. Thank you for taking care of us through this uh, outbreak. You've kept us healthy. You've kept us uh, safe. And and we do appreciate that. Uh, We pray for everyone who is struggling with this uh, disease who has it. And we pray that your hand will be over all of this. Help us to see where we can help and help us to do what we can. Uh, Like the psalmist said, we are glad to be together worshiping you. And help us now to direct our hearts and direct our minds to glorifying you and to glorifying your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, He's the reason we are here. And it's in his name we offer this prayer. Amen. O Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. children to stop their fighting start uniting all as one let's get together loving forever sanctuary sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary for you Father in heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises. As your people declare your mighty works, blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
everybody. So nice to have you all here this morning, even though it is a little different than we're used to. Scripture reading this morning is John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. I will be reading out of, I will read what's on the screen. When he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. May God bless the reading of his word. I'm not even sure exactly how best to go about putting a, a mask over a microphone and then off the mask, and I kind of debated with myself what order all that had to be done in, and I figured it would be less awkward if I didn't fiddle with my microphone than if I fiddled with my mask. So uh, I put it on over, and you all got the benefit of the feedback as I was testing it, which was a bad idea. I don't know why I did that. And now I've wasted a bunch of time telling you all about my mask and my microphone. Um, over the last few months, I've been thinking a lot about our faith and how we sometimes get caught up in big picture ideas, and, and that's good, you know, or uh, rather in the small details. Uh, I'm getting myself reversed. We get caught up in the small details of scripture. Uh, if you've been in my Wednesday night class, you probably know that I like the little tiny details, and sometimes I get fixated on things that are small, intricate uh, pieces of the bigger picture. And the truth is, there's actually a lot of benefit in pulling back and looking less at the small details and looking at the big details instead. Uh, I think both have their value, both have their time and place. For the next few weeks, I want us to look at the big picture. And to do that, I want to focus on this theme, everything I need to know I learned in Sunday school. There's a, a popular book that is all I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. And there's like a list of 15 things that the author learned in kindergarten. Things like play nice with others, share, clean up after yourself, things like that. You know, all good things that I think many adults could have reinforced in their lives. I know uh, my 11-year-old could definitely have some of those things reinforced to him. I know I could have some of those things reinforced to me. Clean up after yourself is a good one, uh, rather than let you know a big mess, a pile of things build up. Those are good details. They're the big picture. They're things that we kind of take for granted because we figure everyone knows them. And sometimes I think we do that with the lessons that we learn in Sunday school. And so for the next few weeks, Kyle and I are going to share some, uh, some lessons that we think come from our Sunday school classes. And uh, 
I think this is brushing against my beard. Do you guys keep hearing weird staticky stuff like as I'm talking or is it just me? I apologize. I'm, I'm super distracted. This is different and uh, I'm glad that we're back. Can we pray really quick? I need, I need some calming of my nerves at the moment. Our Father in heaven, we are, uh, we're glad to be together. We are glad to be back in this room, and uh, we're glad to be back in one another's presence, in a a physical space with one another, Uh, and we know that there are those that are a part of our congregation that aren't here this morning, um, and that they are uh, probably at home worshiping with us online right now, Uh, and Father, uh, we're just grateful that we can worship you, as Don said, in any way that we can worship you. I pray that you calm my nerves this morning. I'm a little anxious. Help me to speak your, your truth. It's all this that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's probably the first thing I should have done this morning. We're talking about uh, Jesus' love. This morning, I think that there is, there's one thing that above all other things that we could discuss as Christians today, and that is the love that Jesus has for us. And uh, when we talk about that, you know, I, I go back to my, my Sunday school days, and up on the screen I've got this picture of kind of a flannel graph image. I've still got that beard noise going on. That's going to bug me. We have that picture of the flannel graph image. And if you take a look here, I, I, I wanted to embrace that kind of tactile feel of things. When I think back to my Sunday school days, I remember the ladies in my church would sit down and they'd teach us using flannel graph. Good grief, that's going to drive me crazy. I might just move to the microphone at the podium. Then I have to stand still. So. And they would hold these flannel graph images. Am I too close? All right, there we go. They would hold these flannel graph images, these little figures that they would place up on the felt board, and they would move them around, and they would tell the story as only they could tell the story. They would talk about, uh, you know, how Jesus would, would stand and he'd heal a man. He'd put mud on his eyes, and it was visual, and it was something that helped to fill me with confidence in the story that was being told. And, uh, you know, I think that kids that are growing up nowadays, you know, it's really a fantastic thing that they get to see, like, these video presentations and stuff. We, uh, at Walnut Creek, uh, when I was doing the, the family ministry and rebuilding our children's program, we moved everything to this uh, curriculum that included different videos and interactive game times and hands-on crafts and things like that. And it was wonderful, but I kind of, I always felt like, man, these kids are really missing out on the good stuff. Where's the flannel graph? And as they'd handle these little items, I'd, I'd remember them kind of acting out the scenes, the stories, and they'd place them in different positions, and they'd have background pieces that they could put on the boards and you know, maneuver and, and tell this beautiful graphical story. It was like PowerPoint, but in real life, you could touch it. It had a, a feel to it, and it was bright and vibrant. And so I'm trying to kind of recreate that here. But the other thing about Sunday school is that every lesson you tell in Sunday school has a song that can accompany it. And, and I started thinking about these songs that we sing in Sunday school, and the one that came to mind, obviously, immediately, is Jesus Loves Me. I think every one of us is familiar with this song, and I want to sing it together this morning, because this is the first part of our lesson this morning. So I'm going to lead it for you, and, and hopefully you'll sing along with me. 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. It's such a simple song. Um, You know, there's kind of sometimes backlash against modern worship music because it repeats itself over and over and over again. Uh, You know, when I think about that, there's actually a lot of great songs that do that because they're simply restating the truth multiple times. No one forgets those words. Yes, Jesus loves me. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Those words, Jesus loves me. They're words that are familiar to all of us. They're words that are ingrained in who we are. If we grew up in Sunday school, they are words that are ingrained in who we are. They're words that if we have come to believe the gospel, we should absolutely believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. These are words that we should be able to sing on a daily basis as a reminder to ourselves in good times and bad that God's love is for us. And sometimes we dismiss children's songs because they're so simple, but I think, I think we should embrace them for their simplicity. There's a lot to be said for a simple faith. Uh, one, of, one of my professors in college, Darren Williamson, he was our church history professor, history professor in general. He actually uh, had been preaching at Kaiser for the last 10 years and is, is now moving on to a different ministry role. Uh, but he, he had told us in our church history class, as we listened to the stories of the debates between Christians about uh, you know, high doctrine and, and how we should embrace the Trinity and what it looks like to, to either call communion the actual presence of Christ or simply tokens of the presence of Christ. He said, you know, the, the thing is, we can get so caught up in these details that we forget what our faith is about. And as much as I love the wisdom that I have gained over the years and the, the wisdom that comes through the study of church history and the discussions that these faithful servants have had over the years, sometimes I wish I could just embrace the simple faith that brought me to Christ. These words, Jesus loves me, are words we should never forget or lose sight of. And yet sometimes we do. Sometimes our faith goes from being about the love of God for us as individuals to the fear of God's wrath and the fear of punishment. Now, I want to be clear. Scripture makes it very clear that there is wrath that God experiences wrath towards sin and that when we align ourselves with sin, when we align ourselves with the spiritual forces of darkness, we place ourselves in the position of God's wrath. But that doesn't mean that God's wrath is targeted at us. His love is targeted at us. And his hope is to move us out of the target, to take us away from the line of sight that he has set his sights on. 
the message of Jesus loves me should allay our fears about how God is disposed to us as people, as his creation, as his image bearers. You may be thinking, that's great. This is a Sunday school song. Where is this in scripture? So I want to talk to you about Jesus' love for individuals, okay? Uh, If we look at the the Bible, which is the book that we place our faith in, uh, that we believe we draw our understanding of God and his nature and his, his love for us from, we see that Jesus has particular love for a number of individuals in Scripture. Uh, If you take a look here, it says, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. This is the story of the the rich ruler, the, the rich young man that comes to Jesus and asks how he can gain eternal life. And Jesus tells him, you know, how he's going to do that and, and uh, you know, how to keep the commands and, and then tells him to go and sell all that he has and give to the poor. And Jesus loves this man. You say, okay, well, that's good. Jesus loved an individual. What about others? Did Jesus have love for other people? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus had this, this small family that he was fond of, that he felt great affection for. Jesus loved these individuals. He had a place in his heart for them, and his actions demonstrated his love for them. In fact, in both of these cases, Jesus's actions demonstrate his love for the people that he encounters. In the first place, he's honest with the young man about the the things that he needs to do in order to inherit eternal life. And he does that out of his love for him. In the second case, Jesus ultimately raises Lazarus from the dead out of his love, not just for Lazarus, but for Lazarus's sisters. Jesus's love produces some kind of action that is a marker of that love. We have this, this third example here. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What is the context for this passage in which Jesus shows his love for his disciples. See, Jesus' love wasn't reserved for just a handful of individuals. Jesus had a, a love for all those who had decided to follow him, for his disciples, for the individuals that had, had placed their trust in him and the, the path that he would follow in his life, the, the places he would lead them. In fact, when he leads them into Jerusalem, many of them have great faith in him. They're excited about what he's going to do. And what Jesus does in Jerusalem is motivated by his love for people, for these disciples, those who have put their faith in him. Perhaps more than all of these, we have one of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at table with, uh, at Jesus' side. The book of John spends a lot of time focusing on all these different characters. We're actually getting ready to do a study on Wednesday nights uh, on the book of John. And 
the discussion that uh, Eric and I had as we were talking about this book is that, uh, you know, there are these themes that appear over and over again. And one of the themes we're not covering, actually, is the theme of love. But when we see the Gospel of John pulled back, there is a theme that runs through the entire book about the love of God and Jesus' particular love for his disciples. And the writer of the Gospel of John spends a lot of time just referring to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And a lot of writers assume, a lot of uh, commentators assume that the reason that John chooses this name for himself is so that everyone can place their se- themselves in his shoes. There's, there's several commentators that say that the reason that John never names himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved is so that as the reader, they can place themselves in John's shoes. Jesus didn't just do this for John. He did it for me. That's all well and good, but we have a second song that I think is, is significant in our Sunday school repertoire. Uh, this is Jesus Loves the Little Children, and I want to sing this as well this morning, so let's sing it really quick. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Really simple song, right? Not a whole lot to it. It's very straightforward. So we have a song about Jesus' love for me, and we have a song about Jesus' love for the children of the world. That's good. It's a Sunday school song. Where do we find this in Scripture? So I want to pull it up really quick, and we're going to talk about some Scriptures that tell us about Jesus' love for the children of the world. We have this example right here. This is maybe a little on the nose, but Jesus called them to him, called the children and the disciples to him, saying, let children, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus is, uh, there's these kids that want to come and they want to be near Jesus, and the disciples are like, get away, kids, you're noisy, you're loud, you're, you're difficult, we'd really like it if you just stayed back and let Jesus do his adult thing here for a little bit. And Jesus is like, no. Let the children come to me. The kingdom of heaven is about them. Bring them closer. Bring them near me. It's those that get the kingdom of heaven. And those that are like them. Jesus loves the children But I think the song is obviously a little broader than that. Jesus isn't just, uh, you know, he doesn't just love the children of the world. He loves the world. He loves humanity. This is is a pretty easy one for us to embrace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This, This big picture statement here, for God so loved the world... Jesus Loves Me is a very personal song. We could all put our names in there. Jesus Loves Michael. Jesus Loves Kay. Jesus Loves Eric. And I'm just going to pick on the side of the room over here. Jesus Loves Don and Nancy. Jesus, you know, Jesus Loves Becky. I'll jump over to the other side, too. Jesus Loves 
me. And that's good theology. It's truth. But sometimes that is the only truth that we focus on in our faith. We have to remind ourselves that on the other hand, Jesus has a great amount of love for everybody else, too. As much as Jesus loves me, he also loves them. And our theology has to be balanced here. And I think we do a good job of enforcing or embracing this idea, not enforcing, embracing this idea for our children and teaching it to them and helping them to come to understand that Jesus has love for them and he has love for others. And because of that, we should love everybody else and we should actually probably love ourselves as well. We should feel a good amount of of compassion for the state we were in before Jesus. Love for self is not a bad thing if we love ourselves because of Jesus' love for us. Perhaps one of the most important things for us to embrace are Jesus' words. Uh, This is not Jesus' words. We'll get there. I'm all off. There was a man named John Chrysostom. Uh, He was a fantastic preacher in the ancient church. And one of the things that he said is that by the cross, we know the gravity of sin and the greatness of God's love toward us. You know, uh, this, this theology that we sometimes have is that sin is awful, and that's why the cross happened. And we sometimes stop short there. The cross is a horrific moment in the history of humanity that is carried out as a result of our sin. But if we compare that again to John 3.16, which were the words of Jesus, Jesus came into the world out of love for us. The cross is a statement about the, the awfulness of sin and the greatness of God's love. And I want us to focus this morning on this second aspect of things because I think we pretty clearly get the first message. And sometimes we fail to get the second message. And that first message that, that sin is awful, that it is abhorrent, that it causes hurt and suffering and struggle and, and, and puts enmity between people and causes us strife and, and frustration, that's a clear message in Scripture, and we've incorporated a lot of that into our understanding. But that doesn't call us to any kind of action. It might call us to maybe reconsider our previous actions, but it, it doesn't point us in a direction. The second half of this does. The greatness of God's love towards us calls us to a particular action. And so for a moment, I want to move into some black and white details here, and I'm going to get a little literal with that black and white. Jesus' love is for you as an individual. If we're going to take anything away this morning, these are the points I want you to take away. Jesus' love is for you as an individual. Jesus' love is for all humanity. The gospel is often personal. It's about you. That's true. The gospel is often personal. That is a statement that we should, should take delight in. That the good news of God's love and Jesus' death and resurrection is personal. 
but the gospel is often common. And I don't mean like to underplay it and say that it's something that happens frequently and has little value. It's common to all of humanity. The story of the gospel is not just personal. The story of the gospel is for humanity. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone has embraced the story of the gospel, but it does mean that everyone should have the opportunity to embrace the story of the gospel. And if we only take one of these two aspects of the gospel, we are not focusing on the full gospel because the full gospel is not just personal or common. The full gospel, regardless of whatever else may happen, the gospel is always Jesus. Notice that the first song is not somebody loves me. The second song is not somebody loves the children of the world. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves the children of this world. If we put any other name into either of those songs, the song becomes tremendously less meaningful. Now, we could potentially put our names in there and and say, Chris loves Don and Nancy. And ideally, if I'm following Christ, that would be a true statement. Chris loves the children of the world. If I'm following Christ, certainly that's what it's going to lead me to. But it's not as powerful as Jesus loves Don and Nancy. Jesus loves Dania. Jesus loves Jim. That's a powerful statement. The gospel is always Jesus. And most importantly, the gospel calls us to something. It doesn't just tell us what we've done wrong and that God has made up for it. It tells us God's love for you has made it safe for you for eternity. You have eternal salvation. Now what do you do with that message? Where are you going to go from here? He didn't do it just because he did it out of his love for you. How do you respond to that? And every gospel writer believes this statement, and every writer outside of the gospels in the New Testament tells us what we are supposed to do in light of this love, this gospel message, this story that is told in Scripture. And so I want to walk through this. If you doubt me on whether or not every single writer in the New Testament outside of the gospels even pushes this, I've got some proof for you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The writer of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, tells us that we are supposed to walk in love because of the love of God. Because we are beloved children, we walk in love. This is the response we're called to. That's Paul. The Apostle John, in 1 John chapter 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's what love is, and that's what we're called to. To imitate Christ in our love for one another by being willing to lay down our lives for one another. To set aside what is best for self so that we can love one another. So Paul and John. Now we've got James. 
the brother of our Lord. If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. James thinks that if you're, if you're showing love to your neighbor, you are doing well. It's three, okay? But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. How do you keep yourselves in the love of God? Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Show love through your mercy for others. That's what we do. That's how we respond to the love of God. So now we've got what was it? Paul, John, James, Jude. Here's a, here's a guy that sometimes struggles with the concept of love if we look at his story in the Gospels and somewhat in the book of Acts. But this is what he says. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. So that's Paul, John, James, Jude, Peter. Okay, that's five people there. The author of the book of Hebrews. Some people think it's Paul. Some people think it's James. Some people are willing to admit, like me, we have no idea who wrote it. Let brotherly love continue. But it doesn't, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter what the apostles say. If the apostles say something and it doesn't align with what Jesus says, then it doesn't matter what the apostles say. Fortunately, what they say aligns with what Jesus says. This is Jesus' words to his disciples. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You may be asking yourself this morning, what, what do I do with this? Where do I go from here? I know Jesus loves me. I know Jesus loves the world. I know that I'm supposed to love in the way that he loves. What do I do with this? And that's the right question to be asking in fact, it's the question that I think if we, could, if we could sit down and pick the brains of these men that wrote the scriptures and ask them that question, they would say, that's a great question. Apply it to every situation you encounter in life. That's what you do with this. See, because we are selective about how we practice our faith, and we'll walk out these doors this morning and go into a world that desperately needs the love of Jesus, and we'll say, well, that doesn't really have much to do with my faith. This situation I'm encountering right now doesn't really have much to do with my faith. And I think the apostles, the writers of the Gospels, the writers of the, the letters in the New Testament, the writer of the book of Hebrews, these men would say, everything Everything hangs on this love that we are called to. Every moment of our lives should be asking the question, what do I do with the love of Jesus? 
how do I show Jesus' love for my family members, for my coworkers, for the person that I'm angry at who just cut me off in traffic, for the person that, that disagrees with me about my political stances, for the person that I agree with on my political stances except that one, and because of that I really kind of feel like I need to distance myself from them. Not socially, but like literally. Every situation in our lives needs to ask this question and find its answer not in how we feel, but in what the love of Christ compels us towards. And so this morning, my challenge to us as, as God's body in the city of Newburgh, as, as a group of people that represent Jesus when we walk out these doors, when we sit inside this building, when we are at our, our lunches in the afternoon or our workplace— is to constantly and consistently be asking the question, what do I do with the love of Jesus here? That's it. What do we learn in Sunday school? That Jesus loves me. That Jesus loves the children of this world, regardless of of their, their heritage or their background. Regardless of who they were before, Regardless of who they are right now, Jesus loves them. What do I do with that? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are oftentimes so convinced that the things that happen outside of this room, that the things that, that happen outside of our, our devotional time with you are irreligious, that they are, they are secular and have nothing to do with our faith, and that is simply not true. If we are your people, if we are citizens of your kingdom, everything we do comes down to this question of how do we handle the love of Christ? How do we respond to Jesus' love for us How do we respond to Jesus' love for others? And I think many of us had a much better grasp of this when we were in third grade than we do today. And I confess that that's me. The answers were so much clearer when the words that bounced around in my head were, Jesus loves me. So, Father, fill us with that love. Help that to be the thought that fills our mind. And right alongside it, help the words, Jesus loves the children of the world, be in our minds as well. And before we open our mouths to speak, before we move our feet, before we move our hands, before we set ourselves to any task, help us to ask, what do I do with that? Give us wisdom and the guidance of your spirit in answering that question. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the first time in a long time that I'm going to offer an invitation because it's been really weird to try and offer an invitation to my phone that's sitting here as I talk to you guys on YouTube. And so this morning I'm offering you one invitation, a simple invitation. Respond to the love of Christ. If it is through baptism, we're ready to baptize you. If it is by loving your neighbors well, 
go and love your neighbors well. If it is by loving yourself better than you have before, love yourself better than you have before. That's our invitation to you this morning. We don't really have a policy and procedure for what it looks like if you need to come forward today. I, I think what you can do is, uh, you know, come and sit on the stage. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to encourage you. If you need to respond today, meet me in the, the foyer uh, while we sing this next song. We can visit for a little while. We can talk together. If that's how you need to respond today, please do so. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all
There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. There's a place where sin and shame are powerless. Where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you. I owe all. Sorry. Here my hope is found here on holy ground here I bow down here I bow down here arms open wide here you save my life here I bow down here I bow at the cross at the cross I surrender my life I'm in awe of you, I'm in awe of you, where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you, I owe all to you, I owe all to you, I owe seated. I realized that when Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, it's not to love one another. They had already been given that command in the law of Moses. The new command is to love 
one another as I have loved you. I want to read another ver a verse again that Chris shared from 1 John 3, 16 and following. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then he follows up with, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love only with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Love is not simply an abstract concept. Love is not just words or speech or an idea. There is action and truth to how we are to love. And as we remember what Jesus has done for us at this time and how we are to love in that way, let us be encouraged and spurred on to loving in these ways, in ways that are sacrificial of our time, of our material possessions, in ways that draw us to have compassion on others and to give of ourselves as Christ gave of himself. At this time we'll have a prayer for the bread. Father, we are so thankful for this new command, this deeper revelation of what love is, that it's not simply just to be kind to others, though that is true, that we, to, we are to love as Christ loved in giving up our whole selves as we can. And as we are mindful of the fact that Jesus did that for us, let us be thankful now and appreciate the bodily sacrifice that he made for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. want to normally um, recommend TV shows, um, at least not during church. Um, and honestly, there's a lot of Christian media that um, just falls short of the reality of life or, you know, has some kind of agenda or presents Jesus in a way that maybe is just lofty. But there's a, a show that's out, and they're working on multiple uh, seasons for it. It's called The Chosen. And they, the writers are, they try to be as true to Scripture as possible while trying to fill in some of the details of what life was like at that time 
And it's told mostly from the perspective of those chosen by Christ to follow him, the disciples. And there's a particular episode where the entire episode is spent with Jesus interacting with with children. It's kind of set right before his ministry begins, and there's a group of children that come to visit him every day, and you can see Jesus' love for the children and their wisdom beyond their years. And as Chris was presenting, it kind of reminded me, sometimes as adults, we lose that sense of awe and wonder in that just very fundamental wisdom. It gets clouded by other things. And so as we go out today, I pray that we can be reminded again of what Jesus' love really looks like and how we can emulate that. So let's now pray for the cup. Father, again, we are thankful for the sacrifice that is made and uh, the blood that was spilled. And as Chris mentioned, may we not only dwell on our sin, but on your great love for us. May both inspire us to better follow your son and to love others and to love in a way that is sacrificial as well. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'll also remind you that we do have ways to give, of course. Um, We are not going to be passing trays, but you can uh, always slide your check through the mail slot, and it will be safe in Chris's office, or you can give through your banker online as well. I think we'll have one more song, and then our closing. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I, love lifted me.
Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be, be saved today. Lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. Thanks again to everyone for being here both online and in presence. Uh, isn't it good the first time that we can safely get back together, and we have, we celebrate the love of Jesus. That was the theme this morning. And the love of God and the love of Christians for each other. That's what's important. And, and thank you, Chris, for that uh, lesson and that message about the love of God and the love of Jesus. I think we do have some announcements on the slides. No, no announcements on the slides? 